Well, good morning, church. A good crowd. I'm glad that you're here. I, I uh, knew that some churches canceled, and I'm glad we didn't. And I did start getting phone calls yesterday evening. Are we having church? Are we going to meet? And I said, well, sure we are. And I woke up this morning wondering who was going to. I knew Don was going to be here, and, and he usually sits right there. He needs it, so I knew that he, he needed it. And then he skips out, okay? But uh, I'm glad you guys are here. It's an important day. And uh, anytime we gather as a faith family, anytime uh, we sing us a few songs, but mainly anytime we take God's Word and open God's Word and study from God's Word, it's an important day. And so I'm glad that you're here. Okay, I do want to just kind of remind you that next week we're going to have an unusual guy with us. And uh, I want you to be here. I want you to get your family here. I, uh, I want you to, to get your uh, teachers, get your Sunday school class here. I want you to invite your friends. Uh, not often uh, do we get someone like uh, John Morgan to come and, and speak to us. They, uh, uh, sometimes they get, it's hard to get them away from their church. And you're going to be blessed next week. And you're going to be greatly encouraged to see how God has used a, a wonderful man of God. So um, just set it right now. Don's right. It'll be sunshiny, probably 80 degrees. You can wear shorts. Uh, just come, okay? I want you to take your Bible this morning, and I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I hope you brought the Bible with you or your uh, smartphone, whatever you have. Uh, there are, there's a Bible underneath you if you need it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I want to speak to you this morning on the subject that stewardship is lordship, okay? Stewardship is lordship. Lordship means that we acknowledge that there's only one in control. And what he says is worthy. What he says is right. So it's right and worthy to be followed, not just, though, because he's worthy, but because it should be desirable for us to want to follow after him with a heart of love. Gang, the, the Bible is full of commands. Commands that very clearly point us the direction we should go, the decisions we should make, how we should live. Uh, the Bible's replete with statutes and, and uh, precepts and commands for us to follow. And I take comfort in that because I need direction, don't you? I need someone telling me, Tom, here's how you are to live your life, here's how you are to act, here's the attitude you're supposed to have. But the Bible also tells us that one of the beauties of the Christian life and living the Christian life is not because he's worthy of our discipline, but he's worthy of our devotion. That while he prescribes for us a certain way to do things, there ought to be something in our heart that says he is worthy of that because of my heart affection. And that's kind of where I'm at today. I have two goals, okay? First thing I want to do is look as quickly as I can. I, Second Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, really, are just incredible chapters. We're going to be looking at the first six verses. I'm going to run through them as quickly as I can, which is not going to be real quickly because it's good stuff. And I had to throw away about 80% of what I really wanted to bring today. Uh, but I'm going to do the best I can to, to move through that as quickly as I can because at the end of our service, I want to talk to you about Indian Springs. I, I want to talk to you about how we 
handle our finances. I think you need to know how to give. I think you know, need to know why you should give. I think you need to know where your money goes. And I'm going to try to cover that in a quick, in a, in a general sense, uh, because I think that's important. And, uh, and I hope in our next service, some of our younger folks will come, uh, because you, usually this service is made up of younger folks who have walked the walk for a while, uh, the younger ones in the next, the younger, younger ones in the next service uh, really need to hear. Okay, well, let's first of all look at our scriptures, okay? And, and I'll tell you why. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 6, remind us of a forgotten, an often forgotten beatitude of our Lord that's given to us in Acts 20, that it's more blessed to give than receive. You got that? Man, we live in a culture that likes to receive. We all like to receive. Let's don't, let's don't play games. We, it's fun when you get something, okay? But the Bible tells us, and sometimes we forget, that Jesus tells us it's more blessed to give than receive. And so what we find going on in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is that Paul, on his third missionary journey, began to take up an offering, a relief offering, to help the poor Christians in Judea. Okay? Part of it was because of a famine at the home church. That area was undergoing an incredible famine. Part of it was because of persecution against the church. They were in dire straits. They needed help. They had helped earlier when Paul was in his earlier journeys. Part of it is because Paul knows that if he can teach the young Christians in these churches that he's trying to establish and uh, go to and build and encourage if he can teach them that it's better to give than receive, then they're going to be a better group of people. If I can convey to you the joy of giving and sacrificing, then you're going to be a better people. We, collectively, will be a better church. And so he's wanting them to understand the joy of it, and he uses the churches in Macedonia, which is Philippi, Thessalonica and Berea, how they gave out of very tough situations, they gave, and the church at Corinth who had promised had kind of reneged on the promise. And so he's encouraging them, using the Macedonian churches as an example that they should give. They made a promise, they weren't staying with the promise. It was kind of like the New Year's resolution. What's the date today, the 8th? I've already blown my New Year's resolution. I made a promise on the first, and you ought to have seen what I ate last night, you know. Well, the thing is, when you make a, spiritually, when you make a promise, you, could, you should stay with it. But the church at Corinth had made a promise, they weren't doing it, and so he's challenging them. Promises are no, listen, promises are no good. If you don't follow through, if I make a promise to my wife and I don't follow through on the promise, what good is the promise, huh? If I make a promise to God and I say to God, God, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to be a steward, I'm going to be a manager, and I don't follow through on that, then what good is it, huh? Let me give you a statement that kind of goes along with that. 
if a church, a faith family, those who have been redeemed through the blood of the Lord Jesus, I, I understand churches have a congregation. And some in the congregation really are not redeemed. I understand that. They, they, they really haven't been regenerated yet. I'm, but I'm talking about the real church. Those who have been touched by the Spirit of God, convicted through the Spirit of God, and have been redeemed through the work and the regenerating work of the, the Holy Spirit. If that faith family is not generous, then that faith family will not be spiritual. You see, giving is a spiritual discipline, but it's a spiritual discipline of worship that includes the heart and the devotion. And you guys have been with me a long time. I struggle just like you in so many areas of my life. I'm impatient. I, um, I, I get angry at times. I get frustrated at times. I see what it should be, and I see where it is, our church, and that bothers me, and, and all that stuff goes into the mix of pastoring a church. But I want to tell you, gang, the area of stewardship is one of the areas that bring me great joy. Not because I have to, but because I want to. And so what we're going to find Paul doing is using the example of the Macedonian churches to encourage the church at Corinth to carry through with their promise. Now, in its essence, well, here's what Paul's saying. If they did, with all the challenges and pressures they had, how can you not, with all the blessings that you have? So he writes to encourage, to challenge, to motivate. And impacted in what I want to say is to try to motivate you to be faithful in this particular area of your Christian walk. There has to be a reason. There has to be a result for you to give. You need to see that there's a reason from Scripture in the heart of God and the heart of God's people and the, the church to use. There has to be a reason for you to give. And you need to know there's going to be a result of that. You have to know that the Lord is worthy, that the need is worthy, but then also that the result is worthy, okay? So let's stand together, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 6, okay? Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Now, notice that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy, and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave, why, because they had to? No, they gave of their own accord, and that means of their own free will. Nobody made them, nobody hit them over the head with a 20-pound Bible. They gave even in their destitute situation because they wanted to. And notice verse 4, begging with us, much urging for the favor or participation 
in the support of the saints. And this, not as we expected, it was beyond Paul. Paul couldn't even get his head around it. But they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that he had, he had, had as he had previously made a beginning, so we would also complete in you this, and then the word again, gracious work as well. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, that there's great joy in giving, not just of the surplus, but God, giving that of the sacrifice. And I pray I can help communicate from my heart the joy and the worthiness of that today in this group and the group that will follow in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, gang, be seated, okay? Let me tell you something I, 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 I've learned as I've gotten older, okay? I've had the joy of sitting down and watching our kids go through their growing up years, their graduation and the graduation ceremonies. I remember the, the, the of course, the grade school thingamajiggers they do, but the high school graduation, I remember that. I've had the joy, the thrill of watching both of our kids get married. You know, leading up to those grand events in their lives, Paul and I sacrificed an awful lot. Paul especially. Women do that. Moms do that. They easily sacrifice so that their kids can have or do or enjoy their growing up years. Now, we do that, don't we, because there's a need. It's required. Isn't that right? The kids need clothes. Jake is almost, he's going to be a big tall boy, and he goes through clothes and shoes and all that stuff quickly, doesn't he, Terry? I, it's, it's required. The boy, he don't want to go to school with jeans up to his knees, you know. He's got to, that happens. There's a need of that. However, a lot of what we did, and especially a lot of what Paula did, not just because of a need certainly, but a love essentially. You see, who or what you love gets your attention. Isn't that right? It gets your devotion. It gets your sacrifice. On that grand day of graduation, and especially on that grand day of marriage, you really don't think about the cost or the sacrifice that much. And I don't want to lie to you. There's part of it that grabs you. I mean, the, the wedding cake, they don't... They don't charge you for a cake. They charge you by the number of slices. Did you know that? How many people are you going to have? I said, what does that make? Just make a cake. No, we need to know how many people are going to be there. So, I mean, you know, you, it's not that you don't think about any of the costs. You do a little bit. But you see, on, the, on that grand day, it's not really the cost or the sacrifice. You revel in the blessing and the joy of the outcome. And on those significant days in the life of your kids, you realize that the sacrifice is sweet. And the reason it's sweet is because of love. Even though sacrifice by, by its very nature requires some tightness, right? The beauty and the sweetness of sacrifice is in the result of it. How the kids are blessed and how they grow. Well, in our text this morning, actually the next two chapters, 
deals with giving and giving from the heart and the joy. In fact, you, if you were to read chapter 8 and chapter 9, you would see that, that Paul uses the word grace over and over again. Grace is a wonderful word in the Bible. It puts a spiritual tone on all that occurs. Now, let me just kind of point out a few things. Look with me, and then I'll give you a quick outline, okay? Chapter 8, verse 1. We wish to make known to you what? The grace of God. Verse 4. Begging with us with much urging for the favor. That word favor is literally the word grace again. Verse 6. Gracious work. Verse 7. Gracious work. And then verse 9 where we'll close this part of our thing. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Do you get the idea that grace is generous? Hmm? Do you get the idea that grace should motivate and elevate something that can be so challenging and mundane to something so spiritual and worshipful? Because, see, in grace we come to understand that stewardship is lordship. It helps us give sacrificially. It helps us give generously. It helps, at least it helps me, give enthusiastically. Okay? So let me just kind of give you a, a rough outline. Look at, look at verse 1. Here, here's what it requires. There, it ought to require something from us, verse 1 says, materially. Look at verse 1. The grace of God which has been giving. Giving by grace, beloved, has substance to it. And it has substance in the form of what is required, not just to obey God, but to help achieve the purpose. Last week, as I preached on the blessing of giving from the Old Testament, I, I mentioned to you in Malachi that word storehouse. They had storehouses back then. People would bring grain. People would bring fruit, wine, whatever was needed to be obedient and whatever was stirring their heart to accomplish the objective. See, At other times when you read the Old Testament, we find that the people brought gold and silver and, and uh, wood and whatever was needed to achieve or accomplish the objective. Now here Paul says that the standard of the day, money, should be brought to help meet the serious need from the motivation of the heart to honor and obey God. And church, so it is today. It's not unspiritual. For me to stand before you and say that God's church in this day needs your money. We need your tithes. We need your offerings faithfully, consistently, because we have to pay for our needs. We have to pay for the heat today or we would be out in the parking lot freezing. Well, you'd probably be home, but some would be, dawn would be out in the parking lot freezing. We gotta pay for the electricity. We have a wonderful staff. We gotta help them put bread on the table for their family, you see. It's not unspiritual. 
for me to stand before you today and say the, the, the substance that we use to accomplish the will of God and especially to spread the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is money. We need your tithes. We need your offerings faithfully, consistently, so that we can effectively minister to our community and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It takes all of us, all of us, giving as God stirs our heart. Some can, some will give more. Some can, some will give less. Some more than others are able to give more. But in all of the giving, all should be a part of it, and all should bring in some of their substance, because through that we honor God, and we do God's will. It has to be material. So materially is part of God's way to accomplish the work through the faith family. Secondly, if you'll notice verse 2 through 4, and I'm not going to reread it, but you keep your eyes there. It not only requires something materially, but it requires something sacrificially. I mentioned to you earlier, these dear people in the Macedonian churches, gang, they were, they were in desperate conditions. Far worse than anybody at least I would think anybody living in our country, even the poorest of our land is better off than people in the Middle East today, you see. And so in their poverty, they gave. Notice the Bible says in these verses they had joy. They had nothing, but they had what? Joy. They had liberality. It's great to be a liberal when it comes to money. That's what they did. They begged to give of their own free will. Do you catch that? We're not talking about a church or a faith family that had a lot of money. We're talking about destitute, poverty-driven people. And they gave, they begged to give of their own free will. In those verses, the word affliction means pressure. Actually, can be a word anguish. It's from a word meaning to be very narrow or pressed in on their sides. And so they were being pressed in. And yet they begged to give because they had joy. The word deep poverty is a word which, which means to be a, a street beggar. That's how destitute they were. They were street beggars. But they had joy and liberality and begged to help the home church in Jerusalem. Amazing, isn't it? In this condition, their abundance of joy even beyond their ability. They wanted to give and help. I want to tell you something, gang. You know this to be true. You have children, grandchildren. Some of you may have great-grandchildren. Anything worthy always requires your sacrifice. Anything worthy. That's not a question with regard to your home family, but it ought not be a question with regard to your faith family. And if it's tough for you or tight for you to do that, or if there's something that, that, that makes you not want to give, then you've got a problem in your heart. You don't see the worthiness of what we're trying to do as a church to impact our community and, and the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Anything worthy requires 
your sacrifice. Be it family or faith family, it has to be sacrificial. And then number three, look at verse five, because I think not just materially and sacrificially, here's the key. It has to be spiritually. And this not even as we had expected. They first gave themselves to the Lord, and the way it's written, and then to us, according to the will of God. Listen, grace giving is a spiritual act of your heart. Now, that's certainly going to require discipline, but in the end, it has to be driven, motivated from the devotion. It's not something you do as an act of worship. It's something you do because of worship. It's who you are in worship. And it has to be worship. Or you're not going to be faithful. And it's not going to be joyful. It has to be worship. Or it won't be consistent and persistent. And as you as an individual, as a church, faith family, the more we pull back, the more we suffer. Just like last week, we saw that, that, that when we don't do this, we rob God. When we don't do this, we rob ourselves. When we don't do this, we rob our faith family. We rob from others. That's why in verse 6, it calls it a gracious work. Grace cannot be dictated. Grace cannot be demanded. Grace comes from love and the heart. And look at verse 9. Again, I'll read it. It's seen in Christ. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. That's what Paul was trying to do. Now, isn't it interesting here in the New Testament? Paul didn't go around demanding a tithe. Paul was taking an offering. He was taking a specific offering, a designated offering, to help a church that was in desperate need, okay? Now, let me shift for just a moment, okay? In front of you, in your little pocket, there's a little blue envelope. I want you to pull out that blue envelope, okay? Because I want to talk to you about the blue envelope. Okay, for just a little bit, okay? In doing that, I want to, I'm not very good at illustrations. They never really communicate for me, and I'm not good at, at, at jokes. Can I get an amen? Yeah, I don't understand how Don and them guys do that. They tell a joke, everybody laughs. I tell a joke, everybody stares, you know? Well, anyway, this is going to be an illustration, so I want you to say, wow, this is a good illustration, okay? This pot is Indian Springs Baptist Church. Everything we got, gang, is in one pot. When I got married, my wife and I talked together, and we said, we're going to have one pot. It's Tom and Paula pot. You're not going to have a pot. I'm not going to have a pot. I'm not going to do my thing and take my, what I make and put it in this pot, and you take what you make and put it in that pot. And somehow, out of my pot, I'll do this, and your pot, do that. We had one pot. I tell young couples when they come to see me before marriage, you got one pot. Put all your eggs in one pot. Both of you grab hold of the pot and carry it together. As a church, we have one pot. 
It's called Indian Springs Baptist Church. Every dime that comes to us comes into the pot. Isn't this a great illustration so far? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. Get an amen here. Okay. <laughs> Inside the pot game, we have two little pots. Oh, yeah, this is an illustration. We have two little pots, okay? These two little pots are represented on our blue envelope, okay? And so let me talk to you just a, a, a moment about that, okay? At the bottom of your envelope on the left, we have what's called budget offering. Everything that we give with regard to the general operating funds of our church goes into the general budget. Just a few weeks ago, we had our yearly business meeting. We handed out our proposed budget to you. The budget we gave to you that you voted on is almost $1.5 million. We've never, I've never been involved in anything quite like that. You know? Now, that $1.5 million, $1.45 million, represents for us what we feel like God wants us to do if the money's there. That's $27,885 a week. Gang, that's a lot of money. And so we met together, and we know that we have certain fixed costs, and we have some variable costs. We know that we have salaries that's fixed. We know we have electricity that's fixed, and utilities, things like that, that are fixed. So we wrote those figures in on our budget. Then we talked about with our staff, what would you like to do if our people give, not because they have to, but because, because in the end result, I can't make you give. If they give because of their want to, not because of just discipline, but because of devotion. So if we understand that it takes substance, that it's sacrificial, that it's spiritual, and they give, what would you like to see done? And so our staff submitted, our mini, uh, 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 gospel team submitted, our compassion team submitted, and different other ones submitted. And out of that, we came up with $1.45 million that if we get $1.45 million, here are some things that we would like to see God do. Now, in that, we know that God can change anything at any time because he's God, right? But as we prayed and thought, that was the what we came up with. And so when you give your tithes or unrestricted offerings, okay, it goes to the budget. Every two weeks, I write a check. Some of it goes right here. Most of it goes right here to the budget to accomplish the things that we presented to you that you voted on just a few weeks ago. Are we tracking? Okay. Now, the rest of this envelope, debt reduction, mission offering, and other is what Paul was doing here in chapter 8 and chapter 9. It was a, it's a specific, specific offering for a specific need. A church was in trouble. Paul's saying, we got to help Jerusalem, Indian Springs, Jerusalem. And so he was taking an offering to help accomplish something there. Well, we have what we call the other little pot that's in the big pot is designated offering. 
anything that doesn't go into the budget that you approved and we voted on, and it's earmarked, goes to a de designated fund. We have debt reduction. If you, anything, and we're doing the tithe to tithe, you know what that means, right? We're challenging you, challenging you to give at least 10% into the budget, and then we're challenging you to give 10% beyond that to debt. If your tithe is 100 bucks, it goes there. We're challenging you to give $10 in addition to that. It'll go here or anything else. We have $215,000 we were wanting to raise above our budget this year. We received, I think last week, $3,700. If someone will write a check for $100,000, we'll be well on our way, all right? But that's a designated offering. We have designated offering in areas of um, some people give to uh, ESL, English as a Second Language. Some give to our uh, Spanish work. Some give to uh, recess. Some give to uh, youth. Some give to uh, Lottie Moon. Now we, we're finishing up Lottie Moon. That's a designated offering. Easter, we'll do Annie Armstrong. That's a designated offering. That will come under either mission or other. Are we tracking? When you write a check, our challenge to you is that 10% of what gives to you ought to come back at least 10% to the budget and then anything else beyond that to whatever area you feel stirring of the heart to do. I'll tell you. Uh, in fact, I was talking to Charlie earlier, and he said, we've been giving extra all these years. I said, yeah, really, uh, it's the eternal plan, you know, uh, because that's what we do. We give beyond 10. If I, if, 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 if I live in grace, I don't see how 10% can work anyway. So my wife and I have always given. My goal in life has always been to get to 50%. That ain't going to happen. Uh, but I, I've always given beyond 10. Great joy in that. But in addition to that, my wife and I always give beyond our budget offering to specific offerings. I give to some to Macedonia where my son is working. We have a fund there for that. I give to uh, debt, and I'm going to be upping that because I, we're going to get out of debt this year. We're going to owe no man anything except love. I give to other things. That are in our that our finance committee approves. It's got to be approved by the finance committee. They have to breathe on and say, yes, that's a worthy cause. We'll put a line item in our designated fund for this. And as they do that, and God stirs my heart, I'll do that. Okay? That's how we operate. That's where your money goes. That's how we're accountable to you for what we do. In our budget area, man, we give a good percent. Don, I don't know what our percentage is, but we give a good percentage to missions. Not just the Southern Baptist Cooperative Program. Uh, Danny Johnson's our associational missionary. He's a member of our church. We put money there. We give money to uh, retired pastors that have worked all of their lives and the church wasn't able to or didn't take care of them and now they retire in poverty. We send, I forget how much money every month to that. That's all part of our budget money. And everything else is our designated. And I, I've just felt like as we enter the year, and especially with Mr. Pastor Morgan coming next week, I, I wanted to talk to you from Scripture, but I wanted you to hear from me that I believe, biblically, spiritually, that you should give of your substance. And we don't need grain. We don't need fruit. 
We don't need your wine. We need your money. We need your money. And sometimes Christians give their money to a lot of other things that are so unworthy, but they won't give it to the future benefit of the kingdom of God through their faithfulness. I want to tell you, there's not a better investment that you can make than into the kingdom of God. It's better than Wall Street. It's better than any mutual fund. It's kingdom. See, most of what we spend our money on rusts out, moss eated up, fades away. But what? Every penny we give to kingdom causes lasts throughout eternity. And I can tell you this, and I'll tell our next group probably this, that as I get older, I want to give more to that which is of the kingdom. And God knows my heart, so I'm not going to, he knows that if I, if I say this and I'm lying, he'll strike me dead. Dang, I wish I had 100,000. I wish I had 200. If I could, I'd write a check to get us out of debt. Some of you probably can do a lot better than you're doing. But if I could, God knows my heart, I'd write a check right now, and I'd get our church out of this debt so that we can get on to better things for the kingdom of God. And I just submit to you, it's a worthy cause. When your heart gets right, you'll see the value of it as well. Oh, no man anything except love. And when we owe no man anything except love, then love will be the motivating force of what will define Indian Springs Baptist Church long after my ministry and my life ends. Well, I did it in time. Let's pray. Barb, we don't, no, no invitation. Let's just pray. Maybe for a moment, you just search your heart. Maybe you ought to ask, God, what do you want me to do? And then ask, what can I do? And then, what will I do? Father, I love you. I thank you for the joy of serving you. And I thank you for these dear people that allow me to. God, as we work through what can be somewhat challenging at times, may we be like the Macedonian churches. May we have joy, liberality, and even beyond ability, may we give to that which is eternal in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you guys. Let's, let's go to the greatest event you'll ever go to. What is it? Yeah, Sunday school. People are ditching Sunday school. It's the greatest thing since...